Once again, welcome. We are so thankful that you're here. I'm going to begin this morning by talking about Advent for just a moment. If you have been here the last several weeks with us, you know that this today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And I want to invite you back here to this place tonight. We're, we're going to light a candle this morning, our fourth candle, but we're going to light the fifth candle, the Christ candle tonight in our candlelight communion service. And we hope that you've already made plans to be here with us tonight at 5.30 p.m. Central. But just a quick refresher this morning on what each of the candles stand for so far. First candle represents hope or promise. And for that particular week, I read from Isaiah chapter 9, and I talked about that through Jesus Christ, we can indeed have hope. The second candle, the candle for week two, represents preparation. And we talked about a man named John the Baptist that prepared the way for the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. And throughout this season of Advent, we have been challenging you not to leave Jesus in the manger as a baby, but instead to concentrate on the fact that Jesus Christ has loved us so much that He died for us, that He was buried and He rose again, and the fact that He is coming back again. Let's not leave baby Jesus in the manger. And I remember asking that particular week, what are we doing as individuals? What are we doing as a church to prepare the world, to prepare Greensburg and Greene County, to prepare the state of Kentucky, to prepare the United States, to prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus Christ? The third candle, the one that we lit last week, represents joy. And we talked about the fact that through Jesus Christ, we can have joy even in seasons in our life that are not particularly joyful. And I remember saying last week, if we look to anyone other than Jesus Christ as being the source of our joy, it's going to be temporary at very best. But Jesus can provide joy that is eternal Now, the the candle we're going to light this morning, the fourth candle, it represents love. And I want to share with you a very familiar passage of Scripture. We're going to begin reading in John chapter 3, verse 16, that simply tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works are evil. I want you to know this morning there are many people in this world today that live their lives in darkness. But I want you to know that is not the plan of Jesus Christ for any of us. Jesus represents light. He represents love. And He represents joy. I wonder this morning, do you know Him today? The answer to that is no. You're going to have an opportunity here in just a few minutes to make that right between you and Jesus Christ. 
Now, as you might suspect, if you have been here at Greensburg Baptist for any length of time, typically on this Sunday, this particular Sunday, the Sunday prior to Christmas, we preach a traditional Christmas message. And it's the same this year. We are going to preach a traditional Christmas message. And I shared with Brother Blake earlier in the week that one of my concerns any time that I preach a traditional message, a, a message that is where the text is very, very familiar to you, it, it concerns me for some reasons because this particular text that we're going to be in this morning, the ones of you that were blessed to grow up in church, guess what? You have heard this text your entire life lifetime. Your parents, your grandparents, former pastors have shared this text with you. Hopefully you've shared it with your children if the Lord has blessed you with children. There may even be people here today that could quote or recite this text by memory. And that's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But one of my concerns is, is anytime that we preach a very, very familiar text, is that just as soon as you hear the first few words of the text, that you just sort of check out because you know the story. You know the story. I want to challenge you this morning to stay alert, to stay with me this morning. One of my prayers is that is this will be fresh for you this morning, even for the ones of you that have had the blessing of growing up in church that have literally heard this particular text read to you hundreds of times in your lifetime. I pray that it will be fresh to you this morning. I pray that you will hear something in this text this morning that maybe you've not considered before, no matter how well that you know the story. This morning, we're going to be talking about the birthday of the king. The birthday of the king. And I want to be sure that you caught that at the very beginning. We're not talking about the birthday of a king. We are talking about the birthday of the king. And there is a big, big difference. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to be beginning with verse 18 this morning. If you've got your copy of your Bible, I would encourage you to read along from your copy of the Bible this morning. If not, it'll be on the screen and you can follow along there. But we're going to begin with verse 18, which says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, as we just look at the very beginning of this particular verse, we see that Matthew's very intentional from the very beginning. He doesn't just say, now the birth of Jesus took place this way. He says the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And perhaps you're wondering, what difference does that make? Why is it significant that Matthew used the word Christ? Well, it is very significant because Matthew is making the intentional choice to state here that this little baby, this little baby that we know as Jesus, he is their promised king. He is their promised king. And guess what? That in itself was shocking to many people because, you know, they weren't expecting a baby to be their king. They were expecting 
an adult to be their king, not a baby. And then we see this phrase, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to ask you a question. Men that are in the congregation right now, men that are hearing my voice, I want you to imagine just for a moment that you have a teenage daughter who is engaged. And she comes to you and makes the following statement. Daddy, I'm pregnant. But I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. An angel told me this. And the father of my baby is the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of us would believe that? How many of us really would believe that? Well, guess what? They didn't believe it either. Most of the people in that day did not believe it either. Now, we have the luxury of knowing that she was telling the truth. We know that she was telling the truth, but those people did not know that. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment all the emotions that Mary must have been experiencing. She was probably excited about her engagement. She was probably in complete disbelief that she was pregnant. She was probably, well, she was experiencing scorn and shame from all the good people through their whispers, through their insults, through their glares at her. Look what she's done. Look what she's done. Folks, it was a big deal. Joseph could have had Mary killed. Do you realize that? Joseph could have had Mary killed in that culture for committing adultery. It was a big deal. And by the way, adultery is still a big deal today. But in that day and time, she could have been killed for that. I wonder this morning, have you ever stopped to think, why was it significant? Why was it important that Jesus be born to a virgin? Why was it important? One of the reasons that it was important is because Mary was a a virgin and she was pregnant, only God could have been the Father of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. This makes Jesus the only God-man in the entire universe. And the only, re- the only way that God's plan was possible was for Jesus to be born to a virgin. And that's exactly how it happened. Now in verse 19, we start to see a little bit about who this man named Joseph really is. The kind of person that he was. We see there in Scripture, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, one of the things that we've got to understand, again, is that the culture was so very different then. A person that was betrothed, a young lady that was betrothed to a man, as far as the legality of it went, they were as good as married. They were as good as married. And if something happened that called the engagement off, guess what? It was viewed as a divorce. That's how serious that it was. 
And so we see in this verse that Joseph was a just man. He was a good man. And he did not want to put Mary to shame. So he resolved that he was going to divorce her quietly. I wonder, have you ever stopped to think about how old Mary and Joseph were during this time? Well, first of all, we don't know for sure how old they were. But just to give you an example, in that day and time, a woman could get married at age 12. Age 12, a woman could get married. A man could get married at age 13. How does that change the way we might view the story? It makes it even more miraculous when we think about that. Now, Bible scholars don't agree exactly about how old Mary was. Some believe that she was indeed 12 years old when this angel appeared to her and told her that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Others believe that she was slightly older than that, but the general consensus is that she was for sure in her teens when all of this happened. Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. Now, before we go into the next two verses, I want to be sure that you remember me saying from this verse that's on the screen right now that Joseph was a just man. He was a just man. And he wanted to divorce her quietly, not to put her to shame. But don't lose sight of the fact that he still planned to divorce her. Verse 20 and 21, But as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now I wonder, thinking about an angel appearing to Joseph, does this sound like a recurring theme? Now, we're not in the book of Luke this morning, but I do want to go there for just a minute. At Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And then Matthew 1.20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord, appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You know, imagine for just a moment the shock that Mary and Joseph must have experienced when they had those encounters with those angels. Just imagine that. This is probably a topic for another sermon, but I believe in both of these cases it took an angel. It took an angel. Don't lose sight of the fact that even though that Joseph was going to divorce her quietly because he did not want to put Mary to shame, his intent was still to divorce Mary. That would have still been shameful to her. To her, She would have carried that probably the rest of her life. But I want to be sure that you get this this morning. I want you to see how quickly that things can change when the Lord intervenes. 
See how quickly that things can change when the Lord intervenes. Now, in these two cases with Joseph and Mary, it took an angel, I believe, to get their attention. It took an angel. I wonder what situations today might take an angel. I want to, for just a moment, go to Hebrews 13, 2. God's Word tells us there, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. But let's, let's show hospitality to strangers. We don't necessarily know who they are or how God is using them. Now back to our text this morning. In verse 21, we're still in Joseph's dream here. This angel tells Joseph, she will bear a son. And then the angel tells Joseph what the baby's name is going to be. And he doesn't just stop there. The angel doesn't just stop there. Then the angel says, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. And that is significant. That is so significant. One translation of the name Jesus literally reads, Yahweh is salvation. You know, Jesus came to be one of us, that we might be drawn to him and to become one of his. Jesus was approachable. Jesus was touchable. When you think about all the events that surrounded his his birth, we can't miss the fact that it is covered in humility. Everything about his birth is covered in humility. From his earthly mother, Mary, being a very common young person to the surroundings where he was born. Remember, there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn. There was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn when when Mary was in labor. I wonder this morning, if we're talking about the end of our heart, is there room for Jesus in our hearts this morning? And I pray the answer is yes. And when we look at the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ... Those 30 plus years that Jesus walked this earth, his ministry was marked by extreme humility. It's important for his servants today, for us today, for our lives to be marked by humility. And it was so important that Jesus came in the way and the manner that he did. Because if he had come as a royal king, we might have been reluctant to approach a king on his throne, on his royal throne. But most people have no hesitation approaching a baby. Most people have no hesitation approaching a baby. Now remember, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And I want to go just a moment to Hebrews 4.15. God's word tells us, therefore, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but instead one who in every respect has been tempted. 
as we are, yet without sin. That's significant, folks. We can trust in Jesus as our Savior. He knows what we're going through. He experienced temptations. This verse says that in every respect, He has been tempted as we are, yet He was without sin. I wonder this morning, is there sin in your life? Is there unconfessed sin in your life? If there is, that does not please Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know there is a Heavenly Father who loves you so much that He gave His life for you. Jesus came at the strategically appointed time to do exactly what the Scriptures say, that His purpose was to save His people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one again. I want to be sure before we move on from this that you remember the purpose that Jesus came. And we're going to be talking about that more here in just a minute. Now in verses 22 and 23, we see God's Word say, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now Matthew here is providing many direct quotes throughout his writings from the Old Testament. This one actually is the first of many Old Testament prophecies that is fulfilled by the earthly life of Jesus. And you might be wondering this morning, so what? What's the big deal? Why does it even matter? Now these Old Testament prophets, prophecies and quotes show at least in a part that the Old Testament and the New Testament is linked together. And it helps us to understand that God was preparing the way for Jesus Christ. Not only was He doing that, but He was doing it centuries before Jesus was actually born. It validates that Jesus is indeed the Messiah and it can strengthen our faith, faith in Him. One of the things that it helps us to do, it helps us to know that God's promises are indeed true also to us today. Now Matthew's quote in verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's a quote from Isaiah 7:14, and you're able to see that on the screen right now. And maybe you're looking at that and you're still thinking, you know, I, I really don't know what the big deal is about this. What, why is it so significant that two different places in the Bible say the same thing? Well, one of the reasons that this is so significant is that Isaiah prophesied this over 700 years over 700 years before Jesus was actually born. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Now, as we prepare to look at verses 24 and 25, I want to remind you that Joseph's still asleep right now. Joseph is still asleep right now. But he's getting ready to wake up. Now, one of the things that I think that we can use for direct application today 
is that we can be in danger of falling to sleep spiritually. We can be in danger of falling to sleep spiritually. And if we are in danger of spiritual sleep, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. It's time for Joseph to wake up. We're going to see that in the Scriptures, verse 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So we see now he has definitely woke up. And I want to remind you one more time that things change quickly when the Lord intervenes. Remember, before Joseph went to sleep, his plan was to divorce Mary. Look what happens now after the angel of the Lord appeared. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife. So he went from wanting to divorce her to continuing with the marriage process. That is a very big deal. We can learn a lot about obedience by looking at the life of Joseph. Joseph was immediately obedient to what the Lord said to do through this angel. He took Mary as his wife. And then verse 25 is so significant. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Now, I'm going to be as delicate as I can this morning, but it's important that you get this. Remember, we've been talking about the importance of why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. Now, even though the angel has appeared to Joseph, Joseph did exactly what God wanted him to do, but it's significant that he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Remember, Jesus had to be born of a virgin. Had Joseph known Mary using the language from this verse right now, I know that the adults are following me right now. Had Joseph known Mary, even though they would have been legally married, and it would have been legally okay, if he had known her prior to the birth of Jesus, Jesus would not have been born to a virgin. Are you following me this morning? Jesus would not have been born to a virgin. It's important, so important. And then we see, and he called his name Jesus. Surprise. Now, another thing, he did exactly what God told him to do. I wonder this morning, have you ever had a time in your life where God's told you to do something and you didn't. Maybe you fought God on something. Maybe, I'll tell you, if you've done that, it's not a pleasant process to fight God. But we can look at the life of Joseph and we can see a model for obedience to God, a model of obedience to Jesus. Joseph did exactly what God told him to do. And I pray that we do the same thing in our individual's life. Remember, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, he told him what the baby's name was and he told him why. But just imagine for just a moment with me, what if Joseph had held that baby in his arms for the first time and he looked at him and he said, you just don't look like a Jesus to me. 
I think I'd rather call you something else. I'd rather name you something else. He didn't do that. He was immediately obedient to God, even down to the name that the baby was given. And remember, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Moving quickly this morning as we try to wind down here, I'm going to spend just a few minutes in verses 1 and 2 of Matthew chapter 2. We see now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, this particular verse, verse 1, tells us where Jesus was born. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And that's not a shock to any of us. We know that. Most of us have known that all of our lives. But sometimes it's easy for us to sort of overlook this next phrase of the verse. In the days of Herod the king. So not only does this verse tell us where that Jesus was born, but it gives us a time period of when Jesus was born. It was in the days of Herod the king. And you might wonder, why is that even significant? Why did that have to be documented in Scripture? Well, first of all, it's very, very significant. Because you see this Herod the king, he had a title of king of the Jews. Does that sound familiar? Do we know of anybody else who has the title king of the Jews? We do, don't we? Jesus Christ. Guess what? Herod didn't want competition. Herod did not want competition. Herod wanted to keep his title. If we were going farther in chapter 2 this morning, we would see that Herod issued an order for all the baby boys who were two years old or younger to be murdered. He was that serious about retaining his title. But we know this morning that God's plan prevailed. God's plan prevailed, even though Herod tried really hard for it not to. I want to spend the remainder of our time this morning talking about these wise men from the east coming to Jerusalem. Now, these wise men most likely were people who studied the stars. They knew a lot about stars. And did they ever get something to see on this particular night? They saw a star in the sky like they had never seen before. You know, we, we sang earlier during worship about that beautiful star of Bethlehem. I believe it was a star so beautiful, so unlike anything that they had ever seen before. They knew something special was going on. So they came to Jerusalem. And I want to tell you something. This is where so often we get part of the Christmas story wrong. How many times have we seen or thought of these wise men being right in the stable with Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus? Guess what? They weren't there. They weren't there. And I'm sorry if that surprises any of you. I'm sorry if you don't agree with me, but they were not there. They were a considerable distance away from Bethlehem. A considerable distance away from Bethlehem. 
They were not able to jump on an airplane. They were not able to jump in a car and get there quickly. Bible scholars think at a minimum it took them a few months to get there, possibly up to two years to get there. So those wise men, they were not in the stable with Mary and Joseph. But I think it makes it even more sweet when we think about what really happened. Can you imagine the journey these wise men had? A difficult journey. And look at their purpose of the journey. It was to worship Him. I would define that as being pretty serious about worship. To embark on a journey that might have taken two years to worship somebody you've never seen before as a result of seeing a star in the sky that you knew was magnificent. They were serious about worshiping Jesus. I wonder this morning, how serious are we? How serious are we about worshiping Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Is it a priority in our life? Or is it something that we do if there is nothing better to do? How serious is worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our lives? Now I want to end this morning by focusing one more time on verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Perhaps there's some of you this morning that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let me say this just as clear as I possibly can. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you're not sure if you do or not, please do not leave this place without giving your life to Jesus. Eternity is not something you want to take a chance on, folks. Jesus loved you so much that He gave His life for you. He died on that cross. He was buried. He rose again. He is coming back one day. But because of His great love for us, we can have eternal life if we will repent of our sins, confess Him as Lord, and truly follow Him. But maybe there are others this morning. Remember I said at the very beginning that one of my fears about preaching this text or any familiar text is that you know the story. Perhaps you can even recite the story. I want to talk to that group of people right now directly. Maybe you know the story, but it's been an awfully long time since you've told it. If that's the case this morning, my prayer is that you will make the commitment that you are going to tell the story. Folks, you know, it seems like every day we deal with something about COVID. And I want you to stay with me for just a moment here as we close. If any one of us had the cure for COVID, now don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying if we had the vaccine for COVID. I'm saying if any one of us had the cure for COVID, we'd be telling people about it. Because that would be great news. We would tell people. 
If any one of us had the cure for cancer, no matter what type of cancer we're talking about, if any one of us had the cure for cancer, we would be telling it because it's good news. We realize that people are dying from those things. We don't want them to die. Folks, we've got news that's so much better than either of those two things. We've got the good news of the gospel. And we realize that people are dying every moment and they are entering hell for eternity. I pray that we have a burning desire to share that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone that we encounter. She will bear son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Would you pray with me please? Father, thank you for coming as that perfect, precious baby. Thank you for your life, your example to us that contained absolutely no sin. Thank you for the love that you had for us, that you have for us, that you were willing to give your life for us on the cross of Calvary so that we could have eternal life. Father, I pray this morning that your convicting power is falling upon lives of people this morning. Father, I pray that people will be saved today. I pray that people will renew their relationships with you. And I pray that people will make the commitment that they are going to tell the story, that story of your great love for us. Father, I pray that you will do great and mighty things during this time of invitation this morning. And I pray that you will receive the praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.